Hello, and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 230. My name is John. Joining me is Ryan. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, Ryan. Yeah, good afternoon. It's uh, it's fall. Ryan is wearing his, mm-hmm. um, uh, what do you call those sweaters? I wear them all the time. I can't believe like... Cardigan. Cardigan, yeah. It's a cardigan, yeah. It is It is cardigan weather here in Denver today. Yeah, it's it's pretty much cardigan weather over here in Rockford, Illinois as well. Um, it's also Andor season, Ryan, and mm-hmm. uh, we um, are both loving this show Andor. Like, uh, it came out Wednesday. We're recording Sunday, so all of your favorite podcasts have already posted their Andor episodes one through three um, shows, and uh, we're a little mm-hmm. tardy to the party. Uh, I have not listened to any of my favorite podcasts um, and or shows because I just want to come into this one without um, anybody else's ideas bouncing around in my head. But I do have ideas about Andor, and I want to share them. So this entire episode will be about the first three episodes of Andor. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to kick it off by just kind of sharing our um impressions of the show sort of zoomed out um overall opinion of the show which spoilers it's extremely good um that's both of our opinion but we'll we'll talk about it in more detail and um then we're going to discuss characters a little bit because i feel like the show is extremely character focused and that is um what is the most interesting element of the show to me so we're gonna rather than kind of go episode by episode and break down scene by scene or something like that we're going to talk characters um, in the second part of the show. And then maybe if we have any lingering questions, like what is Prelox Morgana or whatever, Ryan, who do they work for? Things like that. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. at the end if we have time. So why don't we kick it off and talk about our impressions of the show? Ryan, why don't you start? Tell me, what do you think about this show and or we've been waiting years to see? Yeah, it was definitely a show that... um, we've been anticipating in the sense that like we knew it was coming um and you know it's a cool character but it was also kind of a um a surprise um and maybe not what we you know kind of expected from um the the new you know the new slate of live action disney things um and yeah it's so like i think my excitement for it has like just started kind of increasing this year um i wouldn't say like in you know i mean 2020 2021 i think there was like you know kind of we would we would talk and be like is that show still happening like is especially after like you know mandalorian blew up and you know, it seemed like there were, that was the direction all the live action Star Wars stuff was going in. It's like, is this Andor thing still going to happen? Like, it, it feels like it doesn't really fit with, um, you know, what was what was happening at the time. And um, turns out it doesn't really fit uh, in um, the kind of worldview of like modern Disney Star Wars and I think that is a very good thing um, because I, this show is very different than other um, Disney Star Wars. I mean, it's even like different than Rogue One, honestly. <laughs> like, um, there's nothing really comparable, I think, in this modern era 
of Star Wars, um, like to the the kind of feel of the show, um, and you know also the the level of quality, and yeah, so it's very different, and I think that is very good um, because I am incredibly impressed by the show and i'm very very invested in the the show and the characters yeah i i agree that it's very very different and i think that's also a really good thing um i feel like it is hmm, how do i put this Uh, i think it's different it's justifiably different though you know or it's um it's different because it needs to be different because of what it is and so Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of, I mean, of course there always is, but there's been a lot of discussion in the last few days about, you know, comparing Andor to other um, Disney Plus Star Wars TV. And it's weird because like in one minute, I'll be saying like, this is better than anything that, you know, Star Wars has done on Disney Plus TV, just in terms of like how incredible the writing is, how incredible the acting is. Like it's a cut above everything, you know? And, um, I keep saying like, this is the best, this is the best thing I've seen. in in terms of star Wars, you know, on Disney plus and it is, but then on the other hand, I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of weird to compare it to like the other star Wars Disney plus shows to a certain extent also, because it's just like not at all trying to do what those other shows do. And I think it's, by design and also by because of the nature of like what this story is and what kind of story they're aiming to tell. And all those things are really positive, but, uh, and I'm really happy about that, but also it's just, I just feel like this show is so different, not just because it was like, Oh, well, you know, the people who sat down and made Obi-Wan or the people who like came together to make Mandalorian, they didn't feel like making something different. And these guys did. Um, I mean, there's something to that, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think the Mandalorian should have been like Andor. I don't think the Obi-Wan Kenobi show should have been like Andor. I think that, you know, like the, the sort of mission statement of this show, the, the point of this show, the, the, the exigence of this show, the reason this show exists, it necessitates like it being this tone and this style and this kind of Star Wars story. Uh, so I'm thrilled about that. I think it's fantastic. And like, you know, we'll see where I, where I land with it when it's all over. But like, as of now, yeah, I think this is the highest quality star Wars show that Disney plus has put out, but also I don't, it's not like I want the other shows to feel like this or be like this. I think it's, it's good that this show is different. It's nice to get something different. Also. I think if you're going to tell this story, this is the way you should tell this story. You shouldn't tell it Mm -hmm. in this like elevated space fantasy whiz bam, pow kind of style that other star wars projects are done in but i also don't think like oh well now this is what every star wars thing should be it should always be hyper serious like this and you know like i think i'm just really happy with what this show is and i think this is what this show needs to be it does it's not what every star wars thing needs to be you know so uh, most of the time when you compare one thing to another it's not all that useful you know what i mean but we still do i mean i do it constantly but Mm -hmm. I just feel like this show, like the the discussion should be about like how great this show is, um, how impressive it is. And it is surprisingly smart and impressive and all that stuff is good. But I'm already kind of like tired of comparing it to the shows that the other shows that are out there uh, in, in, in Star Wars land. You know, I don't think every Marvel show, sh- I don't even watch Marvel shows, but I don't think every Marvel show should be WandaVision, you know, so. Right, right. 
Um, but I do think that the show makes like a strong case for like, also Star Wars can be this. So like, yeah. hey, this is another this is another option. Um, you yeah. know, like obviously not all Star Wars is going to be this going forward. It's not like this is going to be um, the kind of like a sea change for the franchise um, because I think I mean. Honestly, like the biggest reason is it kind of lacks marketability um, in like a a very mainstream way, um, which Star Wars is a mainstream product that like, you know, like six year old kids wear Grogu shirts and, you know, like everyone knows um, the characters and you have like you know, you you wouldn't make a Lego andor video game. Um, like I don't, I don't. And, think andor is Andor's coming to Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga um, as a DLC character. But yes, I see what you mean. You would, yeah, yeah. Like you wouldn't make like a game with that tone, like based on this story. Like you wouldn't adapt this story in that way. Like, um, and so I don't. I have, think... I have a great. Hmm. Oh, I was just saying that I have a great example of it not being very marketable, which is that I can't get anyone else that lives with me to watch it, you know, so mm-hmm. um, they won't watch it. But in the sad part is they watched like the first half hour of the first episode and didn't finish the first episode. And we're like, I don't want to watch that anymore. And so, um, yeah, they were all like, nothing's happening. I don't want to watch this. And I was like, <sighs> um, real annoyed, but that happened. So. Yeah. The, the youngest one, ironically, the youngest one, I he still says he wants to watch it, but just not that night. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the the adult and um, pre adult in my home are like, nah, not watching it. So, and I keep telling him like, oh, like because they they pieced out after like two thirds of the first episode. Then I like stayed on the couch and watched the next two, you know. And I, and afterwards, I was like, oh my god, you guys like. This is of an unbelievable quality. It is outrageously good. And they're like, you say that about every Star Wars thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, and I always mean Ooh. it too. But like, I mean it in a different way this time. I mean <laughs> it in a different way this time. It's uh-huh. really good. Boy who cried wolf. I didn't. I uh, didn't cry wolf. It was true. They keep telling me that I said that about Book of Boba Fett. And I'm like, I think I said a lot of things about Book of Boba Fett. I doubt that's what I said. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure I... I but pretty much any other Star Wars live action, I'm sure I said. So, yeah. Anyways, well, it's not as marketable. You're right. So, yeah. And um, but I think like it's kind of, you know, the same things I've been reiterating for, um, I guess, like years, uh, but more so recently, because I think this show has kind of necessitated the conversation is like talking about the buffet that Star Wars is and like you don't you don't go to a buffet and eat an equal amount of every single item that's there and enjoy it that much, like the same amount. Um, You know, there's things that we enjoy more things that are like, you know, better suited for our palates uh, personally. And um, yeah. And, but I think it's also very good that the star Wars buffet is not just, um, I don't know, mashed potatoes in every single part of the buffet. (laughs) Like it's it that there can also be this like 
And I think, again, um, I was just reading, I sent you this um, earlier, this, the Hollywood Reporter um, interview with um, Tony Gilroy. And in that, like, the way he was talking about the show is that, you know, he kind of, like, wasn't super interested in in doing it or doing any more star wars and then um and then uh this might this might just be like an awesome like boss move um kathy kennedy like sent him a pilot that they had um they had kind of been cooking um over at lucasfilm um to uh for it for the show and it was Kind of, like everyone seemed kind of cool on it and like they sent it to him and he's like no no not at all and then like he just mm. wrote his own <laughs> and like uh-huh. um so he's like no this is not right like and he did his own and then that's what they moved forward with and then it got him like in the headspace around it and like thinking about it but um the way he makes it sound is like he could make once like you know he was going to go forward with the project that he could make it however he wanted and um and he says like yeah like i think the volume is cool but for this kind of you kind of have to choose are you going to do are you going to go all in on the volume and get like those like people with those skills on your crew, or are you going to go like all in on um, shooting in real sets and everything and get like, and make your crew that way and do your pre-production that way. And like, you kind of have to choose one way or another, which, um, you know, I, I know like Obi-Wan seemed to be kind of like a mix of that, but um, I think that was also just a smaller show. Um just a shorter show as well um yeah Mm -hmm. so but yeah and so like he was like yep we're going to we're going to do it with um you know real sets and we're going it's i think he called it like a we're going to build the show um something along those lines and he just got the go-ahead to do it and you know i think um i Again, like this is a testament to just the quality of the upper management at um, Lucasfilm and their like trust in artists and creators that um, they're not like, I don't, I I don't know if it's cheaper to do everything on, on the volume or to build, build sets. Probably it's probably cheaper to uh, to to use the volume, I would assume, um, just because of the costs of, like, flying people around and, like, building things. And, like, yeah, it's, like, also costs a lot for, like, digital artists and everything and the, that technology. But um, I, I would assume it, it's, it's probably still cheaper at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. But, like... Just like Gilroy was able to still do it in the way that like made sense for like his vision 
for the show and they didn't and it doesn't sound like anyone was like well can't you just do this on the volume like hey come come talk to john favreau he'll show you how to do it like yeah or, like no one tried to push him in that direction they're they're just like cool do you know do what you need to make your vision happen and i think yeah awesome yeah, I wonder um, what the difference in budgets is, and I don't think we're going to find out, but I wonder what the difference in budgets is. Um, I think it's for sure, like, faster to shoot on the volume, you know, and I know that was, like, a, a major um, upside to the volume uh, in addition to, you know, maybe being more cost-efficient. Uh, and then I think it also probably probably depends, too, on how many sets you have to build um, versus you know, not right. Cause like, if you think about like Mandalorian season, well, in either season of Mandalorian, I think they go to a lot of different, you know, there's an ice planet and there's Navarro and there's, you know, just a lot of different places they go. And, and it's like more of a, it does have more of a, I guess like primarily a Western sort of feel, but also like that space opera kind of feeling, you know, not to the extent of a, a saga movie, but still it has that kind of vibe. And then, you know, if this is going to be more of a born identity or Michael Clayton type movie or something, you know what I mean? Uh, or show where it's less about like, Oh my God, can you believe this amazing new planet they went to? And just more of a, like so far we haven't seen anything that indicates to me or very little that would indicate to me that they would need to use the volume just in terms of settings. You know what I mean? Obviously there's been some cool special effects and stuff, but, um, it just feels like a more contained show, more grounded show. Um, obviously in many ways, but like even visually, it just seems much more contained and grounded. And so I just, I feel like the, there's less need for the volume, um, as well, you know? So, cause I, I don't know, like, I think Mandalorian, it's like, they couldn't have done it as nearly as quickly as they did. I don't know about budget. It's probably much cheaper also, but for sure that I don't think they could have done it as quickly as they did it. Um, with, all the different planets and locations and, you know, sort of settings that they included in that show. So, yeah. But I, I also think like, that's also like the way that like John Favreau in particular enjoys working. Like he, Mm -hmm. he likes digital um, sets and that sort of thing. Um, Cause that's, I mean, part of the reason he got the gig was cause he, you know, had all that experience by, you know, from using Iron Man. the Iron Man and then like live action Jungle Book and Lion King and that stuff. Yeah, but I, I think too, like with him being a writer and creator, he writes and creates with that kind of technology in mind. And I'm saying like, I think Tony Gilroy is the opposite. You know what I mean? I don't think he's thinking about like, man, as he's writing the show, I could do so many wild things in terms of the settings and visuals. And so I think he's because he's more like, this is about these people and their lives. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's less about this big epic, you know, hero heroic storytelling kind of, you know, space opera thing. I think it's just, I'm saying like, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like it's, it's the way Favreau likes to work. It's the way Gilroy likes to work. But I think that seeps into all the different parts of the show too. Not just like, you know, which technology are we going to choose? It's also like, what kind of stories am I going to write? And what am I going to focus on? And, and, and what I want to do with the show, you know? So I, I think like the, 
the volume definitely is a better fit for the kind of storytelling that John Favreau does, as well as the kind of like, you know, production style he wants to work in or whatever. Mm. And that, that seems to be the case for Tony Gilroy too. So, yeah. Um, which is great, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess like just other, you know, sort of big picture thoughts besides just like how different it is. And we're going to talk about this for sure as we get into the characters, but the acting is unbelievable to me. Like the actors are all so good and I expected Diego Luna to be good. You know, I expected Mm -hmm. the key players to be good, but what really strikes me so far about this show is just how fantastic every supporting character, every supporting actor has been. And I just feel like they, they take every role very seriously, like casting it. And, you know, um, the, the level, the quality of acting and casting in all of the parts in this show just really makes me feel like they care so much about character in this show and not just for, you know, Oh, well, our three principal characters or whatever, we're going to make sure, you know, we really focus on those characters. I think anybody with a speaking line in this show is, you know, it's taken very seriously and, and it's, um, it's a weird, that's a weird thing to say. Cause it's like, well, I'm sure anyone who's making television, you know, <laughs> when they put somebody on screen and, and are having them deliver dialogue, it's not like they don't take it seriously, but I just think like mm-hmm. there's, there's a level of like really understanding and wanting to communicate like a real person, um, for even a character who's going to have a couple lines and that's it, you know, cause you really feel it. I, I feel like I really feel the quality of the, the acting in, in every part, every single part, even the tiny parts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you can kind of tell that, um, people, I mean, I think there's deliberate choices in who the, the actors that are chosen, um, here. Um, and I also think, um, probably like the, the, coaching and directing um on set is like really pushing people to inhabit um their characters in like a very like human way um Mm -hmm. rather than um you know characters being like star wars archetypes i guess yeah or yeah and the and that archetypes it's true of the dialogue as well, because there's no sort of like real punchy, uh, campy dialogue like there is in Star Wars movies either. The, the, the dialogue is is very grounded and, um, you know, there's some jargon. There's some space jargon in there, you mm-hmm. know, from time to time. Um, and a lot of which I'm not even sure what they're talking about, um, you know, <laughs> but uh, but it's it, it's uh just a that's just you know content that's just the content but the the way it's written um i think is yeah really grounded and very believable and um you know yeah i think grounded is the right word because the the dialogue in say you know the empire strikes back or (laughs) revenge of the sith or you know whatever it's not it's not particularly you know grounded you know um and it's not trying to be so yeah it's just a different choice here yeah but you, you feel that right away as well, I think, watching the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
it's it's weird because like there's um i think one of the other kind of like meta conversations happening right now is like is this even star wars um because it doesn't you know it it doesn't in include some of the um you know a lot of the the things that people i think generally associate with star wars um and it's just it's telling a different kind of um story and like a different kind of setting and there's not really much of like at least so far much in the way of like um high tech or mythical aspects of it um and you know i do feel like there's um like definitely precedence for these sort of um more kind of kind of grounded stories in star wars um i think you know to uh, like i would say like parts of like lost stars um does this um and then like going back to the eu like the the med star books um even though those are like clone wars era they're like stories about like doctors basically um in star wars and you know you get the you get the stuff like here and there in the like certain point of view books and stuff but i think on this scale it is a different um definitely a very different um kind of star wars and um i don't i don't like wholly think that's a bad thing or a wrong thing um i think it's well i think it's really good and really effective but i also like it's still to me still does feel like it's set in the star wars universe um and i think the you know the the way it looks and the like the the jargon i think actually goes a long way um in that as well um and there's you know there's like there's droids here and there um and there is like a main droid um who's kind of quirky and has uh their own personality um but <sighs> in in a way to me it there's like moments especially in like the the very beginning of the first episode where it felt extremely cyberpunk which mm. i think is something that star wars never really feels like um and it's it's hard for me to like think of examples of that like maybe like Coruscant in um like the beginning of Attack of the Clones like kind of has that vibe um but like yeah like the the first part where they're like in the in in the club the bar um and all that stuff happening like was definitely had like a, a Blade Runner type feel to it um parts like there's like a little bit of like Mass Effect in the show that I feel, um, in weird ways. Um, but yeah. I think Tony I mean, Gilroy is a big mass effect guy. Uh, 
I would love to know Tony Garroy's opinion. I don't think on so. Video I, game in on video I games don't in think general. He's a video game guy. Like, don't think uh, he's a video game guy. Someone, someone ask this dude. What does he think of video games? And what does he think of Marvel movies? Uh, oh no, no, no! <laughs> and uh, just let him go because I have been <laughs> enjoying every interview. Um, I read yeah. with this dude. He'll, like he's so he's so blunt and transparent which is very refreshing and he's just not really reverent of star wars um in yeah. general like and so it's just like very different vibes and i'm i'm loving it but yeah the Ryan, show you'll, oh you'll ahead. appreciate you'll appreciate this marty scorsese uh, famously does not like marvel movies right um, right. He's been singing the praises of Ty West lately. Of he loves Pearl. the Ty West movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pearl, yep. yeah, oh, which I'm still cool. meaning to see. Um, I haven't haven't had time to get to the theater, but I love yeah, X. I didn't see X either. So, oh man, one of my I did recently watch House movies. of the Devil again. Um, yeah, yeah. So like um, the the neo noir like Blade Runner type stuff for yeah. sure in the in the opening. Um, I also feel like as you mentioned the droids earlier. I feel like the droids don't feel like, I mean, they, they slightly feel like star Wars droids, but like, um, they don't really feel like star Wars droids. Um, actually I was shocked at how blatant I thought the Wally homage was in the first episode, like with <laughs> B2 emo or whatever. I'm not sure what the designation of the droid is. I think it's B2 yeah. emo, right? Um, like in that, in that junkyard area, like there were shots where I was like, I didn't even seen Wally very, very much, but I was like, I mean, the droid looks like Wally, but then like in uh-huh. that junkyard setting, like there are shots that were like, wow. I mean, like somebody is definitely intentionally. Um, in fact, Toby Haynes, the director, what has he done? I wonder if he's if he's been involved in anything that make, maybe would make that make more sense. But um, yeah, it really felt like a, a very strong Wally uh, homage there. And uh, but also like like uh, Luthen's ship when he's flying into um Phoenix, I believe his name in the planet, right? Or something like that. Um, when he's flying in, like is talking to him and, um, the way B2 emo talks and then the way the ships talk to characters and stuff, it, to me, it has like a very 60s, 70s, like retro future type, like Mm -hmm. sort of vibe, you know, or even like 2001 kind of feeling, you know what I mean? So yeah, there's a lot of like sci-fi influence here that feels not very Star Wars-y, um, which, is not a problem to me. I just, it's a, it's a different flavor, right. In a very different kind of show. So I don't think you really want to have like battle droids walking around saying Roger, Roger in a show like this. That's very, you know, kind of grounded and serious or even C-3PO, I think that would not fit the tone of the show. Right. So, um, it makes sense in that regard, but, uh, definitely a different flavor. In fact, our mutual friend, Josh, um, who has been pretty hard on the <laughs> recent star Wars, um, well, recent Star Wars, basically pretty hard on, <laughs> on, on most of it. Um, mm-hmm. Can't remember where he landed on Mandalorian, but he didn't even like Rogue One. And um, he really liked the first couple episodes of Andor. Um, and one thing he said after watching them was, um, you know, if I didn't know it was Star Wars watching this, you know, these first episodes, I wouldn't have thought it was Star Wars. Like there's nothing in it that's like super scream Star Wars at you, you know. Um, I know there's going to be troopers and stuff coming up. I think they're... And we're going to get the empire, the, like the Imperial Senate. And I think there's going to be plenty of stuff in future mm-hmm. episodes that will, you know, kind of show their hand a little more in, in, in the fact, like in the sense that this is a Star Wars show. Um, but yeah, these first three episodes, to- not totally feeling that way. Um, 
which again is interesting and totally fine. Uh, and uh, on that topic, I also think these first three episodes, what a great example of the fact that, you know, Tony Gilroy has been saying that these, the season is going to be like, I think four little movies, right. And that they have mm-hmm. the same director directing like three or four episodes. And so each of them will feel to a certain extent, like, well, they have the same directors directing those episodes because they're part of like a, a, a story arc or, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, this is like Toby Haynes's little and or movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it all just felt like one. And by the time you get to the unbelievable final 10 or 15 minutes of the third mm-hmm. episode, it's like all coming together and it feels so um, uh, climactic. And there's so much, you know, kind of all coming together and being resolved uh, in those final moments of that third episode, that is just like, no, this is somebody's kind of like mission statement or their, you know what I mean? Their, their manifest, their and or manifesto. It's like they put it all together in these three episodes and it works perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there's every, like, it'll be so interesting to go back. I haven't had a chance to rewatch, um, the the three episodes i don't know when that time will come um for me but um i'm obviously going to rewatch this um and um yeah it'll be so interesting to go back and like see it from the from the beginning knowing what you do by the end of um the the third episode because and it's not like there's like huge revelations or anything that like make you like recontextualize, you know, everything, but it's like, there's just like the, the pieces on the board, like start moving from the first like second of the show and every piece is important and they all come together by the end. Um, in just like really smart ways. I will say though, um, I think like, if you look at the script or the the story of the first episode, you know, it kicks off with a pretty tense, obviously, scene. And it's the inciting incident of this whole story, right? Like mm-hmm. Andor, you know, sort of accidentally killing those guys and having to deal with the fallout of that. So it does open up with a bang, so to speak, you know. But then I think the rest of the episode really takes its time. And if you care about characters and you want to tell a human story... Um, I think that's how it should be done. Right. So I'm not complaining, but I will tell you, like, I couldn't get my family to finish watching those episodes. And, uh, one of my students who (laughs) I teach a film is lit class. He, we do a, like a favorite film, you know, assignment at the beginning of the year. His favorite film is rogue one. His primary complaint about rogue one. Cause one of the things I said was like, what would you change about this movie? Like, that's one of the parts of the assignment. Uh, the primary thing he said was that, well, there's so many characters and you didn't really get time to get to know all of those characters on a, you know, a more, more deep level or whatever. Right. So <laughs> he comes in the next day after this first episode came out and he's like, yeah, it was kind of boring. It was a little slow. It was kind of boring, you know? And I was like, Oh, I, I think he went and watched the other two. I, I don't know for sure. But anyways, long story short, um, or long story long, I just think that while the, the, while the, the first episode's exciting in the beginning, after that, you have to really kind of like want to invest in the show and in the characters. And in my anecdotal experience, it's a challenge for people, you know? And the sad thing about that to me is that I really believe 
that once you get into the second and third episodes, it's, it's, it's less challenging in that regard. Like, I think there's more, there's more emotional, like Andor is involved in, Cassie and Andor is involved in emotional scenes, like his emotional interaction with Marva in the second episode. And, and I mean, there's a little bit of emotional stuff in the first one too, but it's just more, you know, we're following him around as he goes and talks to all these different people. And it's like, it's very sort of plot you know, kind of heavy, right? Like I got to talk to this person to make sure my credits are in order. I got to talk to this person mm-hmm. to get a ship so I can get off the planet. Like, but you know, and, and I think it, it, it loses some people, like some people get are you know, it loses them there. Uh, I also found myself thinking like, God, I wish this was a movie and we were in the, I mean, I don't want it to be a movie. I'm glad it's a show, but like if I <laughs> had my family in a movie theater and they mm-hmm. had to sit through all three, I think by the end or even by the middle, I think they'd be like, Oh, okay, this is good. You know? But when there's the chance to like pick up your phone and play Candy Crush or walk into the other room and make something to eat or just say, I'm going to go upstairs and do something else, which is what happened to me, like people gave up on it. So um, that's one, I don't know if it's a drawback. Like it's not, I don't think it's creatively a drawback, but I think just in terms of hooking people on the show, it's a little bit of a drawback. Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, I, I think that limits its audience. Um, mm-hmm. I think like people in general just like now just like watch so much TV, um, like just in general. Um, that's just like the thing that people do. And there's just so much of it um, that I think people kind of take it for granted and a lot of times tv just ends up being like background noise for you know people to be like on facebook or twitter on their phone and stuff and with this show like you and i i don't want it to be like a oh you you know the you shouldn't watch movies on an airplane or like, or on your phone or whatever, like policing how people like watch stuff. But really like, it's just a fact that you have to pay attention to this show because there is um, a lot of spoken dialogue that comes hard and fast. Uh, And there's also a lot of unspoken uh, storytelling the like i mentioned earlier like the actors really inhabiting the characters like there's so much like unsaid in this show that if like you're just like listening for exposition to move the plot around along like you're only getting like half of the story because so much is in the way the characters emote and the expressions they make and like the way the way they deliver dialogue and lines because like it's a whole bunch of people not being totally forthcoming um, with each other. And like, there's just these small like ticks and there's so much nuance to the performances and the way the story is told that like you really have to be fully invested. Like, I was doing my usual like Star Wars thing that I do with like Mandalorian or whatever. And as, as I was watching the show, like I started um, like taking notes on my phone and then like probably halfway through the first episode, I just had to like put my phone down and I'm, and just be like, Nope, I need to just watch this. Like I can't, I can't be 
taking notes on this. Like, I'm just going to have to watch it, remember what I can, and then, you know, rewatch it another day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I took notes, um, on the second and third episode, but only on the second viewing. Cause I was just like, I don't want to, you know, I just, I don't want to have another screen or the temp, you know, not, I don't want to even say temptation. Cause I, I will be the person who pl- I'm comfortable being that asshole right now and being like, I, I will police how you watch a show, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like I, <laughs> I am that guy. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to tell you don't watch something on the airplane. Cause you know, what else are you going to do? You're captive in that tube in the sky. You know what I mean? But like, mm-hmm. I, I have, I'm around too many people who are always doing something else whenever they're watching something. And it's like kind of sad to me. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like, it is, uh, Whatever. Anyway, point is, I d- yeah, I'm. I, I always hate that, but um, I think you know, it's just with the show, especially like you said, it's really important to invest in it, and 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 it's not the kind of like it. It's not the kind of show that that is uh, designed for people to sort of casually pay attention to. You know, like you mm-hmm. have to. I guess you have to care enough to really want to watch these characters and 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 watch their story develop and get to know them. And um, so if you're like you know, I'll watch it, but I don't really want to like really invest myself in it or give it my full attention or whatever. Like, it's just not, it's not going to work, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the reviews are super good. The buzz is really positive on it, but I've just had a little bit of that anecdotal kind of experience where people are kind of jumping off a little too quickly. Um, another friend though, uh, a friend of mine, um, and I was working out next to this morning in my inner workout class. Like, I can't remember what the teacher said. The teacher said something though about something. Oh, it just, I think just talking about the song that was playing, like, oh, the song is so good. So good. And I, you know, turned to the guy next to me, uh, who's a friend of mine. And I was like, you know, also so good. And, or on Disney plus, you got to watch it. It's so good. And he texted me about an hour and a half later. And he's like, just finished the first episode. Thumbs up. This is so good or really awesome or whatever. So, you know, <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I mean, I've heard from more people who love the show and are like blown away by how good it is, but definitely, you know, some people bouncing off a little too early. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, should we talk about some characters in this show, Ryan? Sure, sure. Okay, I feel like we should start with Cassa first. You know, Cassian, and um, the first episode is actually titled Cassa, which uh, I didn't notice. Um, this is not like the Mandalorian where you know, they, they put an episode title up on the screen or anything like that when, uh, when the show starts. So, uh, I just saw that it was called Casa when I was looking on Disney plus. Um, but that's the, the name of the first episode. And, uh, I will say this, I think I'll start off with this so far. I feel like, um, the show is not living up to the expectation that the creators put out there, um, you know, in interviews and stuff in the past of being like, we really want to show you this guy Cassian and he's going to be, you're going to see this journey where he goes from like being a not so good dude to being like the hero in rogue one or whatever. I feel like that's sort of what people had been saying in interviews over the last couple of years right. about the show. I don't like, he's seems like a pretty great guy so far. You know what I mean? Obviously he shot that guy in the face because <laughs> he had to, because otherwise uh-huh. he was going to be arrested for accidentally killing the other guy. But that is, that's one of the, I guess that's one of the casualties of the writing and the acting and direction being so, 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 so good is that I feel like 
in every action he's taking, I understand why he's taking that action. You know what I mean? I empathize with what he's doing. And so it's a, it, so far it's, it, I was expecting them to really have him be kind of a, a not a very empathetic character to start out with. And, um, you know, it would take joining the rebellion and maybe seeing, seeing some things for him to, you know, kind of become a better person. And, um, I mean, like within the first couple episodes, he's talking about how he's got credit stashed away for Marva. And, you know, one of the lines that really got me was when he told, you know, B2 or B as a Marva refers to him. So maybe I'll just call him B. But uh, as, as he told him, you know, like, Hey, I forgot to tell Marva, I'm sorry. So tell her that. And also tell her to keep the heat on, you know, because I know it gets really cold or whatever. Um, and, and there was so much humanity in that line. Um, and, and the, the sort of class politics and social politics of the show, I think are really present in that line too. Um, because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, she's going to go without heat. You know what I mean? Because to try to, you know, save a few credits, she's going to go without heat. But, but anyways, just, you know, like even in these first episodes, he's, seems very concerned with making sure he's put money aside for his mom and making sure she's taken care of. And, uh, he tells Brasso, you know, please try to keep an eye on Marva, you know, um, at the end of the third episode when he's talking to him for the last time. And I just, he just seems like a really good guy, you know? So, um, that's not a complaint, but it's surprising to me because I really thought he was not going to come across so well and that that would be a challenge for audiences, you know, like, do I want to watch the show about this guy who's not great, but he seems pretty great to me so far. Yes. I mean, I would say like some of his, he is still a flawed character though. Like, um, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not a total baby face. Um, because he's not I Ray. think, yeah, I think he's, um, you know, he's like, yes, he like looks up for others, but like, he also is like very, driven to do the things that like he wants to do um Mm -hmm. and like he in some ways without regard to the consequences that it would have for others um and i think he's generally like maybe just on like a social level um inconsistent and a bit unreliable um as like a friend or a partner um there is a lot of alluding to him having uh many partners um in in the show uh that was another um, one of marva's best lines when when they were trying to figure out like who knows that you are from the planet he's from i forget the name of the planet at the moment they say it like two thousand times they uh, say it so many times canary 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 right or Canary. 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 Uh, Canary. Yeah. Uh, who else knows you're from Canary? And, you know, he's like, well, you told the, you know, X, you know, person A and person B. And she's like, well, they're family. And, and she's like, I'm worried about all your women, you know, that I, yeah. some of whom I don't even know. Like, I'm worried about all your women. So, yeah. Um, which is, again, another great example. Like, that's really the only thing that, and maybe there's another line or two like that, but um, we're developing or the show is developing rich characters um, very efficiently, you know, uh, and, and, and not in a way where it, 
the expository, you know, dialogue feels really obvious and, um, and on the nose either. And, uh, that can be charming in Star Wars when, when there's expository dialogue that's super, like, it's very evident, like, well, George Lucas wrote this line, so you'd know what a, <laughs> what a hyperdrive is or whatever. Like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. I think it's fun. Um, but it wouldn't match the tone of this show. And the tone of this show is that these people are very real people who talk to each other like very real people. And yet, they're still able to pack it full of information in in subtle and believable ways like that, you know? So, uh that's great. But yeah, you're right. He probably sleeps around. He seems like he drinks a lot. Um, and, uh, you he, know, he maybe, owes people a lot of money. He owes people money. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, yeah, but I don't but think, it's, like, but it's also like a dog eat dog world, right? Everybody's struggling yeah. to get by in that, in that, in that world. Yeah. And I don't think like any of those things are really flaws um like generally i think you can like you know like you can you can have debt and still be like a good person you know all of us sure. have student loans um and uh you know you can you know you can you can sleep around and still be a good person you can drink a lot and still be a good person um but i think like all of these things and just kind of like his um like hyper focus on his um goals which he doesn't quite have like a clear path to like how to kind of you know he he wants to essentially stick it stick it to the empire but and so he does it in like you know just the ways he knows which is like the whole crux of the plot is him joining something bigger but um but i think like all of these things kind of together just makes him like kind of like an unreliable person and someone who also will like, you know, he will kill and do the wrong thing to like get himself out of trouble. Yeah. A couple things on that real quick though. I think that the show really what I think the show is telling us, cause I've been thinking about that. Um, wait, what is his, what is he trying to accomplish? You know, because like, um, uh, Luthen is like, look, people like you are valuable, and uh, you know, like, we don't want to waste your skill, and you could really, don't you want to stick it to the empire, and you know, all that stuff, and it's like, okay, so is Cassian just doing like, is he like, uh, you know, the ghost crew in the beginning of season one of Rebels, where he's just, you know, finding little ways to stick it to the empire, but not being very effective at that, or is he more just like, okay. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is I feel like actually what the show is telling us so far is that he wants to find his sister and that's what he's trying to do. And I don't really see much evidence that he's even trying to stick it to the Empire or really do anything for a bigger cause. Now, Bix, on the other hand, she knows Luthen and she seems to be dedicated to the cause to a certain degree. We don't know what to, gr- to what degree yet. We'll find out more, I think, as the show goes on. Um, and one of the great things uh, in, in the third episode is the fact that we find out that like most of the people in this village or this town or city or whatever it is seem to be, you know, it's a very like uh, working class community kind of ethos they have there, which is like, we're going to look out for each other. And like, yes, we want to resist, you know, pre-more and we want to resist the corporate sector authorities and we want to resist, mm-hmm. you know, the empire or whatever it is. 
Um, but not so much in a, like, we're actively trying to fight them kind of way is not the feeling I got, but more in a, you know, we just have little ways of protecting each other and helping each other sort of thing. You know, Bix is the exception. Bix is obviously, and maybe some of the people, some of this, you know, more minor characters that she talks to, I don't know. Like, we don't really get a sense. I, I don't feel of how big this web of rebellion or whatever it is in this town is. Um, and I feel like the next episodes, well, we'll have to be on this planet again, I guess, to a certain extent, because Bix is there, I think, still. And I know, obviously, she's going to continue to be an important character. Um, but yeah, anyways, I feel like like right now, Cassian's motivations are to find his sister. And that's pretty noble, too. You know, he lost his sister when when Marva took him for his own good from his home planet. And now he's like sneaking around. He doesn't want her to know that he's trying to find his sister. And I think that's what the sneaking around is about more so than, than being self-serving and self-interested, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's also, I think another, um, another vibe, um, to get from this show is a a little bit of, uh, X-Files there too, with, uh, Mm. um, Fox Mulder, um, and his, like, like his, general motivation is to find his sister um who uh he believes was abducted by aliens um which you know what uh cassian's sister could have been abducted by aliens that is a, a that is a possible thing that could happen in the star wars universe um but i think like there's yeah i think that's definitely like part of his motivation but like he also like you know he has that whole like which is now like a scene that's just like burned in m- to my memory and it is like so recontextual it's so much better like seeing it contextualized in in the show um is the conversation with um Luthen uh mm-hmm. there and you know and, but like it's pretty obvious that like Cassian has you know not even like no love for the empire, but like extreme distaste for the empire um, from, from the conversation there. And, you know, maybe it's, yeah. So I think like, yeah, that's a good point that that's a pretty significant scene. Cause he's like, they're so fat and full of themselves and happy with themselves. And like, all you need is a, a uniform and Imperial token and you can walk right in and steal from them. Um, yeah, yeah, that distaste is, is strong as you said, but it does kind of seem like he's stealing from them. Just, you know, like I, I, I need, I need money to, to, I think he needs money to like, you know, take care of his family and friends and himself also needs money to try to like track down his sister. Um, and not only do I not feel bad about stealing it from the empire, I feel pretty good about, you know, hurting the empire in small ways or whatever. But again, like it yeah. reminds me of, um, you know, Ezra or something in the beginning of, of episode of uh, season one of rebels. It's like, I, yeah, I'll, 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 um, you know, steal from the empire anytime I can, but not so much like I'm on a crusade to take down the empire or I'm on like a, on a mission to, to fight them. It's more like, I hate them and I'm really struggling just to stay alive. And so, yeah, you know, I'm not going to steal from other working class people. Right. But I definitely will yes. steal from that giant corporation or that giant empire or whatever. 
Yeah, and I think like he also just has a general dislike of um I guess the the empire, the corporate sector, whatever, um, because of the you know, what happened on his home planet where um, you know, he had his um, you know, his his um friend person he looked up to um kind of the the leader of their um group like seemingly killed i don't i don't know because they like take the body away and i don't know if it's confirmed that um they were killed but like by blaster fire and you know then there's like the scene of him just like destroying things in the in the ship um so yeah i think there's that's probably like the the root of the the anger yeah, that part was pretty confusing for me. Um, I mean, not not the scene in general, but the I'm trying to figure out who that was. Um, and so I don't know, maybe we can talk about that later if we have time or if we want to. But uh, they Marva at one point says that it's it's he, they just killed a Republic officer, you know, um, about the person that got shot with all the hit with all the the darts, you know, blown at him or whatever, like the, the one who killed the leader of Cassian's tribe or the leader of Cassian's like, yeah, I guess like, um, well, I guess it's the leader of his tribe. Really. I don't know where all the adults are though. Cause they're also young, but I guess it's the leader yeah. of Cassian's tribe. Um, but yeah, I referred to that person as a Republic officer, but then I didn't like recognize that patch on their uniforms. And I saw somebody say somewhere that that was a Confederacy patch, like the Confederacy of independent systems patch. And I'm like, okay, well, then that's not the Republic. You know what I mean? And then also, if it was the Republic, I guess it makes sense if like his, he was angry at the Republic then, which then becomes the Empire, if that's set during the Clone Wars. So then I guess that does make sense. But yeah. um, I, 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 I'm not sure about those uniforms. And like, that's a Star Wars explained thing, I guess. I'm sure there's already information about that out there. But like, yeah. that's a little much for my brain to figure out because that's not like, those aren't, typically what we would expect like a Republic ship in the Clone Wars. Is that what the, the people flying it would look like? Is that what their uniforms would look like? Is that the, 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 the logo that they would have, you know, stuff like that. Like it just doesn't, it didn't remind me of anything or it didn't like, it wasn't um, in terms of the uh, iconography and stuff. It wasn't really obvious to me what that was. And yeah. so, yeah. But anyway, um, and the actor who plays young Cassian, uh, I don't have his name up right now, but he's uh, fantastic as well. Um, so expressive. I felt like his face is so expressive. Yep. Um, and just like, yeah, whoever cast this show, um, which again, this is information that's readily available, but the casting director of this show, um, just unbelievable. Uh, Cause it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And that's, um, that's another scene. Like we were kind of talking about, like, where you kind of have to be glued to the screen to like understand what's happening um, in that, in that whole scene. Cause it is like, there's so much like, I mean, it's uh, they're, they're speaking a different language, right? Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not subtitled, right? I've only watched the no, episode. It's not subtitled. No. Once, so yeah. Um, so yeah, you, it like really falls on like the, um, like the quiet actions and the emoting, 
um, of the characters. So like, yeah, if you're like looking at your phone during that, like you're just missing so much. Mm -hmm. Antonio Vigna is the name of that actor. And he's really exceptionally good. Um, so yeah, well, um, I mean, Cassa, uh, Cassian is the, the character that we knew the most about coming into the show. And, um, you know, they're still obviously, you know, obviously learning about his life as a child and, you know, the motivation of finding his sister and his relationship to Marva, all that stuff is, is, you know, there's been a lot of reveals and new information about him, but that is the character, you know, that we had known from before. Um, a completely new character for the show is Bix, who is played by Adria Arjona. Um, probably mispronouncing that, but uh, she is unbelievable in the role. She's fantastic. Uh, the character is fantastic, I think. Um, and yeah, there's this, uh, I guess it's, it's not totally clear what the history is between those two characters, what the relationship is between them. Um, obviously her boyfriend, Tim is pretty jealous of, of Cassian. Um, but uh-huh. you know, hard to blame him considering like, um, number one, Cassian looks like Diego Luna and number two, you know, she is kind of sneaking around all the time. Right. But, um, she's sneaking around because she's, uh, involved in some way with the nascent rebellion because she's got Luthen's phone number, you know? Um, now I do think there was some level of ambiguity in terms of her motivation too. uh, because it's like Cassian, like, I guess just because like we don't know much about her relationship with Luthen beyond what Cassian knows. And we know, I think what Cassian knows is like, there's a guy with a lot of money that you sometimes sell stuff to. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that's what he knows because she was like, I can, you know, put you in contact with that guy because you need money fast. You know what I mean? And like, you got a guy who will want to buy this, but I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think there was anything that indicated to us that he knew more than that about that situation. Yeah. And I don't know that there's any lines or anything specific that would tell us as an audience that she believes in that cause that explicitly tells us that, you know, that the reason she knows Luthen and the reason she can get into contact with him and everything is because she's low key working for the rebellion and, and contributing to that cause. I think she is. Yeah, but I don't think that was explicit, was it? I I don't think so either. I think um I mean, I'm assuming and hoping that she is going to be one of the main characters and that she's going to be appearing in future episodes um and that her story's not over because I think there is a story to tell there. Um I I think it would be very weird if they like didn't um kind of give, you know, some like flashbacks or just like her or her just like straight up saying something um about that and like what her motivation is and like what she what she wants um you know in in the future um and what future she wants. So um yeah, I think that's just uh thing that's to come 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I have no doubt she's going to continue to be part of the show, and I, I don't have any doubt that she'll she'll be working for the cause. But, you know, it's one of those things where I do think this the 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 planet that he lives on, the people that are in his life are mostly all presented as um struggling to get by, you know, and having to fight and scrape to survive, you know, for what they can. And so I would not be disappointed if I found out like, oh well, she just has been working with him because he's like, you know, someone that has resources and she needs that. But I don't know. There are there are lines of like what is he there's there's a line he's talking to her and I think he's like do you trust him you know and she's like he'll be there and I, th- I feel like there was something else like I don't know he asked her I, I want to say there was a line where he asked her like who she's talked to or who knows about this or something I don't know maybe not but anyway um I think we we all know where it's going it's just to me it's like the question is you know what is her commitment or motivation you know, right now at this early stage of this story, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Either way, she's great. Um, her boyfriend Tim was also great. I think uh, mm-hmm. really great performance from him. I he looked so familiar to me, and I was like, "Where do I know him from?" Um, uh, turns out, I know him from The Force Awakens because he was an X-wing pilot in The Force Awakens. <laughs> really? Uh, yep, yep. He was. He was an X-wing pilot in The Force Awakens. Although that's actually not what I recognize him from. He was also in. Uh, uh, Mayor of Easttown. I don't know if you ever watched the the show on HBO Max. Mayor of Easttown. It's a great show, uh, or a really good show, and um, he plays a key role in that. So, and he was really good in it. Um, and he's excellent in this as Tim, uh, space name Tim, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's a, it's it's space name Tim because it has two M's instead of one. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, I thought I thought he was fantastic. I don't know. What, what do you think about that character, Ryan? Uh, yeah, like he's. I don't like him. Um, I do. I li- I like him. Really? Yeah. I uh, no. I think um, I think he's a real bad boyfriend. Um, you do real, real dishonest guy. Um, uh, yeah. You know his his jealousy uh, got people killed. Um, you know, and because really the reason he rats out Andor is because he's like jealous <laughs> and um, and he feels threatened in his relationship. Um, which I think it is like also implied in the show that, um, Bix and Andor have, um, romantic history. history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's like what kind of like leads him to like in a huff go like narc him out. Um, so yeah, I, I don't like him, but I also think that is like a very realistic, (laughs) and grounded character arc for Mm -hmm. him. And Mm -hmm. I think it's also just, he has a, like a tragic character arc because he's one of the, one of the earliest main character deaths we have in the, in the show. And, you know, he really, um, you know, he, he ultimately uh, played himself and, you know, it's because of his actions that eventually he's shot down in the streets um, because of what he brought to to their to their planet. Yeah, but I don't 
Yes, but I also I don't think that it the story is told, the show is 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 presented in a way where it's like, you know, um he is this jealous boyfriend and he's just being selfish and uh you know, like I don't think it's presenting it in a way where we're watching that and go and thinking to ourselves, oh, I can't understand his why he's behaving like this or like it I think it's this uh, a lot of times even the character I, I wouldn't call him a villain um but even the characters who are villains in this show i feel like are presented in mm-hmm. ways in which you you um you view them as real people and so their motivations are real they're not cartoonish yep. they're not you know whatever and so it's like and you see plenty of times where the the the, the, the script or the the episodes show us multiple moments where he's just like He's not being controlling, you know, necessarily when he's like, well, where, why do you need me to open the shop up early or whatever? Oh, I just have errands to run. I just have errands to run. I just like, you know, and like, do I think it's cool that he was following her around the town? No, I don't think it was cool. Like, no, like, yes, he was being a bad boyfriend, but also I think she was being a bad girlfriend and like she was being a bad girlfriend in service of a larger cause. Right. And trying to protect Cassian and, you know, whatever. But that doesn't mean like, like, sorry, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies was being a bad husband when he was sneaking around constantly, you know, whatever, like, like it doesn't make him a bad guy, but it's true, Uh you know? And I think like at a certain point, you know, I understand her motivations. I understand his motivations. I understand all these characters motivations. And so I think he made the wrong call when he, you know, drunkenly ratted on Cassian. Um, especially if he's like most of the other characters in this community who kind of hate, Premore and hate the empire and hate like you know the um the the power the powers that be you know and the and the the financial interests of of this you know planet or whatever like if that's where his allegiances are and he's like but i'll still sell out cassian you know just to so he'll stop being around my girlfriend or whatever like that's not cool at all that's really bad that's awful but it's written and acted in a way where I'm like, I, but I still kind of like that guy. You know what I mean? So yep. that's, 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 I think to me, the sign of a really, you know, a, a great show is like how, how much, you know, you still care about him um, or are interested in him or can, can, you know, I don't want to say excuse, but at least can empathize with the choices he makes. Yeah, absolutely. I think like this is, um this is a show that like proves that again, like, characters can be flawed and not villains um in fact they should have some flaws although ray is my favorite character in star wars and she doesn't really <laughs> have any flaws but like in most cases especially in a grounded show like this they need to have flaws like if if casting was just perfect all the time like what mm-hmm. is the point of that you know yeah yeah um yeah. hey there's another character in this show called luthan who's played by selen skarsgård and uh-huh. uh he's also awesome Uh (laughs) could you empathize with him when um nathaniel hornblower or whatever that guy was with the little mustache and the hat who was on the uh on the the space bus with him like could you empathize with uh with luthan when he like (laughs) just every single expression on his face was like stop talking to me why are you talking Mm -hmm. to me like Mm -hmm. don't come Mm -hmm. sit closer to me (laughs) like don't do it yeah um he's uh, when he's responding in grunts (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And snorts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Well, he's got a, 
he's got to be he's got to be saving up his energy and his concentration for mispronouncing Cassian's last name um, at every turn. <laughs> Ander. <in the> following scene. <laughs> These days will end Cassian Ander. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how you know this is a Star Wars show. Honestly, is because the people true. pronounce names in different ways, and that's fine. True. It's true. Um, yeah, I can't wait to learn more about him, though. Especially, and there's so much uh, hinted at in the trailers for this show that we haven't seen even a glimpse of yet. For instance, we've had zero seconds of Mon Mothma on screen. Yeah, and um, I just feel like the show is going to open up and and just be that much more interesting once we're adding in uh, characters like Mon Mothma and Deidre. But also when we're seeing uh, Luthen's double life, you know, because I already find him super compelling. But right now he's just a grizzled dude who's like, you know, shouting at Cassian or whatever. But we know from the trailers and, uh, you know, other. Yeah, well, from the trailers that he's like a senator or something who has like a weird hairpiece on and like goes to, you know, galas and hobnobs with, you know, rich people. And then he also puts on his trench coat and and grunts at, you know, working class guys on the space bus, you know, so and and mm-hmm. blasts pre-core or pre-more uh, soldiers. And, you know, like he's got this whole double life. So um, speaking of Arnold from True Lies, you know, he's got this whole double life thing going on. So um, I think that he's only going to get more compelling as the show goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, so wait, maybe like, just like, let's just talk about, um, Marva real quick while we're still talking about, you know, kind of Cassian's family and friends. And then we have to talk about, uh, Cyril Karn, who is fascinating, but, um, Marva played by Fiona Shaw, uh, you know, we knew she was going to be fantastic. I think just from the trailers and seeing, you know, the footage of her, uh, talking about this, that this, this is what a rebellion sounds like and all that kind of stuff. Right. But uh, I think she is is so great in this show. And, um, you know, the scene when Cassian comes home after being on a bender or whatever, you know, she probably thinks, or I guess she would have thought until she uh, heard the that there's like a, he's on the FBI most wanted list or whatever. But the scene where he comes home and she's just sitting there and she's like, oh, you've been out for a while or whatever she says to him, you know, and mm-hmm. then she's like, read it to him, B. And... <laughs> Oh man, she's such a great uh concerned mother in that scene, I feel like. And um and then when when she's under arrest or, you know, whatever being held hostage by the Primor guys and and just like messing with them as she's sitting in that chair just messing with them. Um you know, I I yeah, masterful. She's she's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, trying to Trying to do the best with her uh, troublesome large adult son. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, "Is it, wait, so wait, how old is he supposed to be? Because he was probably supposed to be like, like late 20s max in Rogue One, which would be, that's five years after this. So he's got to be like early 20s, right? Is probably like the age that we assume he is somewhere around there. I would put him in his like thirties in Rogue One. I mean, this information probably exists somewhere, but yeah, um, yeah, and I would put him <laughs> in his twenties, but also the actor in his forties uh, in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, he's uh, he's aged very well, so it's not it's not really a deal breaker. But um, yeah, I 
I also just like loved the delivery of her. Um, you know, she has like the, the, I guess line we've seen in the trailers about this is a reckoning, um, reckoning, which is fantastic. But also the, um, the, the part, like it just like really just, I don't know. It's just one of those lines that just like really, really land, um, in something when she's, when they're like tearing apart, apart her place. And she's like, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Mm -hmm. Like that Mm -hmm. just like, for some reason, the delivery of that just like hits so hard. Um, and yeah, like, how about her walking in Cassian's room and picking up that staff or whatever that was there? Like the, the transitions from the present day to the flashbacks in the show are really, really mm-hmm. well done, I think too. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, like I, and, and my, and so that moment was great with her thinking back to, you know, when she found him rescued him however you want to put it abducted him i guess mm. depends on your, yeah. your perspective on it <laughs> yeah, right but um yeah. but uh that that moment like her looking at that staff but then also later like i my heart was broken um at the end of the third episode when you know it just shows her sitting there in her home alone after the premore guys had left and everything's all torn up and all over the place but you know she doesn't say anything there's nothing you know, like really obvious or over the top to indicate this, but I just, and, and there's, it's such a great, you know, sequence and we'll talk more about it. I'm sure like I'll, I'll make sure that we do before we finish the show, but it lingers on a lot of people. And in that moment that it lingers on her, I just feel like she's distraught thinking about the fact that her son, you know, is in a whole world of danger and like off planet and she can't talk to him or, you know, it has to be so, uh, scary to know like that he's caught up in this whole, whatever he's caught up in and she doesn't, she can't check in on him. Right. She can't like text him to make sure he's okay or call him to make sure he's okay or anything. That's gotta be so, um, scary. So, and I think she conveyed that, um, very well in that moment. And, yeah. and the, the the direction and the editing and the show and the writing and everything just conveyed that so well. Yeah, um, I think she her story benefits strongly from the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally, I um, I don't know. I've probably talked about this before. Like generally speaking, um, I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks in storytelling. Um, I would. Like, I feel like there's almost always a way to like write around it. And, um, you know, there's there's always a better, better choice because you're always dealing with um, just these like kind of um, I don't know, some sometimes it's like uncanny valley um, situations or just things looking off when it's like the same characters. And then sometimes it's like oh, now I have to, like, imagine this person as a child or, like, as a teenager or whatever. And, like, um, and, you know, I think there's, like, tons of ways to do flashbacks that are, like, they're almost always jarring and they're almost always, like, uh, this is, like, these these are, like, medicine I have to take. Like, I, I know it's going to be good for, like, my understanding of the story eventually, but, you know, I know it's good for me, but 
I kind of just want that forward momentum with a story. Um, so like, I'm generally not a fan of flashbacks and I, you know, I, I knew they were coming with this show. Um, and you know, like flashbacks have become more prevalent in star Wars when they used to not really exist. Um, you know, like in the, in the original trilogy, um, and such in the original films. And, um, and now they're just like a thing and they're like, you know, this thing that just happens in star Wars and whatever. Um, but I, I will admit like at first I was like, okay, well here we are. Like we're, we're in flashback territory now. Like when the, when they first started rolling out, I was like, okay, so now we're going to get like Cassian's origin as like a kid. Cool. Um, and like, even though I was like already like, so much more invested in like the the present day story which is like almost always the case like there's never really a point when i'm watching something that i want to be watching and i'm like man i really hope they cut to like 20 years ago like that would be so dope right now if like we just got a flashback that would rule um so yeah but i will say like um you know they're they're well they're like super well done here like i have no complaints about the quality but they just like weren't what i wanted because they're seldom what i want in a when i'm watching a story um but the way again it all comes together in the end and like really like just puts the stamp on like who these characters are um where it's not just like, hey, that was a that was a bunch of cool trivia I learned about this character. It's like, oh no, this is like a fundamental part of who this person is. And yeah, and I think for like Marva really benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's such like a crucial component of those flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh I don't mind flashbacks. Um in good movies and stories. Cause I think, you know, generally speaking, they're not, they're usually for the reason if, if, if it's something smart, you know, it's usually for the reasons you were just describing. Um, I hate, and I've talked about it numerous times on this show. I hate flashbacks that are showing us things we've already seen in the past. I can't stand that. Like, it's so like when you're watching a show and they're like, you probably forgot about what happened in like watching Cobra Kai, which I was trying to, I was uh, telling you about the other night. Like I love Cobra Kai, even though it's like really dumb and bad. Um, It's also really good (laughs) and funny. Um, And uh, they're always flashing back to stuff from the original Karate Kid movies. Although to be honest, like a lot of times I have forgotten what they're flashing back to. So, but they're always showing me stuff like that. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. But when you watch the show and you're like, okay, the show's ridiculous anyways. Like I think, Trust me, like when I tell you, you forgive a lot of stuff on Cobra Kai that you would never let fly in anything else. Um, <laughs> okay. At least I do. Um, yeah. Like the, it is the anti Andor in terms of acting ability and dialogue <laughs> and like so many things. Like it's a ridiculous yeah. show, but it's really fun. But anyway, um, stuff like that. I hate it when they flashback. I hate when shows and movies flashbacks to stuff I, I've already seen because um, then it's not telling me anything new, right? It's not like enriching, right. you know, the story. But uh, I feel like. And I also think like there is a significant 
amount of information we need to know about young Cassian because of what this story is. But I don't, yes. I don't think it would be better if the first 20 minutes of the first episode was all just set in the past. And then like after that, we never go back to the past anymore just to avoid using flashbacks. Like I think mm. it, it does make more sense. And also certain things are revealed when they should be revealed in terms of the yes. story being told instead yeah. of us knowing it all from the beginning, you know? So all that together, I think is, you know, more than justifies uh, the use of flashbacks here. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like we, you know, we, we learn so much more about Marva as, as it goes on and, um, and, and seeing that, you know, like Cassian, I don't, I guess we don't know yet what happens to everybody else on his planet. Do they all die? Do they not? I'm not sure. Like, you know, but, but her belief is that the Republic or whoever would have killed him, um, if they found him there. So she had to take him so that he wouldn't be killed. Um, you know, one wonders like, couldn't she have brought him back like a month later? You know what I mean? Like, why did he have to like live with her for the rest of forever? Um, and I trust the show is pretty, it seems like those are the kind of issues that this show will take seriously and consider and address, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, more on that going forward. Yeah. But yeah, and she's even great. If, even if not it, that the fact that she didn't just take him back like that alone, just even if they don't touch upon that, like that's an ambiguity about her that I think it's okay to, for us to sit with as, yeah. Yeah, yeah. as audience members. Like right. maybe she really wanted a son and maybe, you know, they don't have to, you know, explicitly state that. And that's something mm-hmm. that we can yeah. or wonder something else like, you know, it's okay to have um, that sort of ambiguity. But if they also, if they have, you know, a story there, like I trust them to deliver it well at this point. Sure. Sure. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, Cyril Karn and um, Chief Chief Hine and uh, Sergeant Lynn. What's his name? Sergeant. Uh, I don't know. Sergeant something. Anyway, the the Squish guy that you were talking about earlier, Ryan. Um, let's talk about these guys. So I said, hey, let's talk about uh, Cyril Karn, and you popped. So yeah, let's talk about Cyril Karn. Man. <laughs> um... This is, uh, you know, the um, the Judy Hops at the beginning of Zootopia um, character. The uh, just really, uh, <laughs> um, you know, really strong belief in their um, kind of their. divine sense of justice and order um and and also like rule following and you know wanting and ambition and um all all of these things um just a very young not complacent uh person with um newfound authority um which you know, we can, you know, pretty much imply that he's gained standing um, because he's this is his life um, and his, you know, his divine purpose. And he works really hard and does what it takes um, to be successful. Um, 
And yeah, his uh, beliefs and I think um, sense of accomplishment and belief in his abilities are uh, severely tested um, through just the arc that um, his character has in these first three episodes. And it is fascinating to watch. Yeah. The range of emotions that this actor expresses like with his face alone is, uh, is, is pretty incredible, you know, to see him, to see pride and confidence and anger and uh, embarrassment and insecurity and fear, everything that this actor is able to express, like, um, cause yeah, it's a, it's a total roller coaster of emotions for, for this character, as you were saying, right? Like he, he really is kind of put through the gamut in terms of, um, just his experiences, I guess. I mean, I feel like he, mm-hmm. his, at the start of the show, he really believes in what he's doing for pre-core, you know, and, uh, the fact that these, you know, colleagues of his, these, these two pre-core, you know, employees were murdered. is like, we cannot, we have to get to the bottom of that. Right. Like he really mm-hmm. believes in that. Um, I still think he believes that by the end of the third episode, you know? So, yeah. uh, I don't think he's starting to really question necessarily, uh, the authority that he works for, you know, um, there are interest. There's such interesting moments though. Like when they're on the ship in hyperspace and, uh, the other, um, Sergeant guy, I think his name is Sergeant Mosk. I want to say, is it Mosk? Um, yeah. Linus Mosk, Sergeant Linus Mosk, the, Mm. uh, the guy that, um, you know, is kind of leading the military operation there when they're on that ship and, and, uh, he gives the big speech or whatever at the start of it, you know, he says, well, they might not like us too much when we get there, you know, they may not be super big fans of us, but, uh, remind them that they're able to lodge a complaint once a month at a meeting, you know, or whatever. And he says it, I think he's saying it earnestly. And then, uh, a lot of his troops or whatever kind of giggle at it. Like, Oh yeah. Like big, like that's not going to do anything. Right. Like that's a ridiculous, like that's just a, that's just lip service, you know? But he looks irritated by that. Linus Mosk, you know, Sergeant Mosk looks irritated by that. And uh, I think, you know, um, Cyril does as well, right? Like this idea that they believe, you know, in what they're doing. In fact, when, you know, obviously he's trying to kind of like placate or, you know, please um, Cyril. But when they first meet, he's like, you know, this is outrageous. Two, two people have been killed. Like we've got to look into this. Anything less would be dereliction of duty. Right. Like, yeah, they're both true believers. I think they're both true believers. And there's a moment when the, when the speeder crashes at the end of the third episode where, you know, he looks at, at Cyril from up on that rooftop and they both smile at each other and like, they believe in what they're doing. Um, so, but yeah, there was, there was indications that some of those other soldiers don't like, they're a little more, (laughs) they're a little more cynical, right? They, they probably don't really believe in the cause because the cause is bullshit, right? Like, um, but, but these guys are still, they still think that, uh, they, they still think that being a, a hired soldier of, um, God, what's the name of the, the Eric Prince's like private security thing in Iraq, the black, uh, Blackwater. Blackwater. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They still think like when you work for Blackwater, you're doing the Lord's work. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, uh, 
you know, it seems like most of the people working for Blackwater Space Blackwater are like, yeah, no, we're just <laughs> we're just out here terrorizing people for money. Um, so yeah, anyways, I think he's still a true believer. Whether or not he, his character goes in an arc where that faith in and what he's doing is is shaken, maybe he changes sides. Maybe he, you know, I don't know what his story is going to be. There's two seasons of the show. He's an incredible actor, so I think he can do a lot more than just you know be the be the true believer bad guy. And so I think, you know, it'll be really interesting to follow his journey, whatever that may be. Um, but even in these three episodes where he believes in pre-more and the private security thing. And, uh, and that I, you know, he sees, he, he sees challenges to it, but I don't think it shakes his faith in it. But still you just see so many emotions and, and different ideas in his face and in his performance. It's incredible. And, and Mosk, Sergeant Mosk, uh, also such a charismatic and just interesting actor. Um, like so fun, so good in that role. Uh, that's another example of, I think in other projects, maybe even other Star Wars shows. Um, I don't know that they necessarily would cast an actor of this, of his quality. And I don't know what else he's done. Um, I, I'm sure he's done other things and I probably would recognize him in other things. Uh, I don't know what else he's done. Um, I bet force material will know when, when, when I listen to their podcast, yes. I'm looking forward to their podcast. They, they, uh, usually know that kind of stuff. So I bet they'll know, but, um, he is so good and I, I could just see anyway, I keep saying the same thing. The acting is outrageous and they yeah. cast the hell out of the show. Yes. And, um, something else that's a little, uh, I guess it's kind of changed in the Disney era, but I think, um, you know, in in the like original Lucas films, um, it there, it was always like the generally the the bad guys were like very European, mm. um, in like for the for the human characters and this show is just extremely european across the board um yeah yeah yeah. like just yeah i mean like i don't i don't know every um actor's um nationality or country of origin um but yeah like you you feel like you're getting you know um you're you're kind of like a range of like British talent, um, a, um, a range of like, like Scottish, Irish, uh, I'm not totally sure, but, um, yeah, I think that's really, that also gives this show. <laughs> I like, this is like the most American thing ever. Um, like it, it, it does give it like an extra sense of like class and mm. <laughs> elevates it a bit. Like this is like guy who watches Downton Abbey once um, <laughs> line, but like, I mean, I think it definitely, it, it adds to the different feel of it um, for sure. Um, when it's not just like a bunch of like humans walking around who talk like they're from California. Um, and I think also like you were talking about um, the director and like what stuff he's worked on. And it's like, 
Um, he's worked on uh, Doctor Who and Sherlock. Um, and I've, I'm not really like a, a Whovian, um, <laughs> a fan of uh, Doctor Who. I've seen a, uh, I've seen a bit of it here and there. Um, my wife's a big fan, but it's uh, not exactly my thing. Um, but I did watch all of Sherlock with uh, Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch, and that was absolutely incredible. Um, mm. And that was like a very, um, a very like lots of like intentional pieces being placed and like everything kind of coming together in the end um sort of show um which was you know fantastic but i mean that's that's where i think like the roots of this production lie yeah and i'm not like uh i'm not a person who it's not like i think like oh american actors aren't as good as british actors you know and like you know people from europe or from the UK are better actors or something. But I think that, you know, I'm prefacing what I'm about to say with that <laughs> statement, because I do think this show probably really benefited from being filmed. I think it was filmed mostly in London and around there. And as a result, I think they, it seems like they cast a lot of uh, British, Scottish and Irish actors. And um, I don't know how to put this except for to say that if I think that's a, it's, it's got to be a smaller community of actors than like, you know, than just because population wise, like that's a, that's a smaller, <laughs> um, there are fewer people. There are fewer, there have to be fewer Scottish, British and Irish actors, um, than, than there are American actors. And, uh, I guess a smaller pool of talent. And I think like the best talent in that smaller pool of talent, like they just, you know, like pulled them all in. They, they just, you know, like, seem to have cast like the most amazing actors. And if they were casting just like, you know, and, and there, it's not like there are American actors in the show, right? Like Cyril is an American actor. Um, Diego Luna is a Mexican actor. Adria Arjona is a Puerto Rican actor, you know? So it's not like it's all Scottish, Irish and British people, but mm-hmm. wow, the Scottish, Irish and British actors in the show are incredible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I don't know anything about that industry and certainly not in that part of the world, but it just seems like there are um, incredible, incredible actors there. And maybe it almost like is like the opposite of logical because it's like, Oh, okay, well you have more people to choose from in the United States than you could, you know, you have more options. Right. But I feel like um, maybe the, the really extremely talented <laughs> film and television actors in that part of the world are uh, easier to identify or, you know, I don't know maybe a project like Andor too is like really draws that, that cream of the crop talent, uh, as well, just in general, but, um, and Tony Gilroy also probably too, you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing, yeah. but wow, the actors are so good. I don't know why, but yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to make any, uh, broad stroke generalizations about, well, you already um, did, Ryan. I'm trying uh, to, I'm trying to time. You, you said all the, you said American actors suck. Well, and that, like, thank God they I'm had all just these saying in the, the show. The the bottom and middle tiers of of actors are a little bit more elevated um, over there. You know, yeah, because like just a just a couple minutes ago, you were like, "Oh wow, um, Alex Ferns and James McArdle and uh, Rupert Van Van Sittart uh, and Joplin Siptain are like way better actors than Steven Seagal." And I was like, "Wow, 
I mean, you're just going to flat out say it, Ryan, and, but you did. Yeah, you know, I, I think the, um, the, the school of acting, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like school, regional schools of wrestling. Um, mm. You know, you have like, um, you know, like British strong style, like people, you know, who can come up through that, um, you know, have a, have a different approach than, um, you know, wrestlers uh, trained in, in the US or Japan. Yeah, I hear you because I feel I do feel like um, maybe sometimes a lot of the supporting car- uh, actors in other Star Wars shows have more of a trained at the WCW power plant kind of vibe, you know, <laughs> instead of maybe at the Hart Family Dungeon or whatever. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Which is which we're not even getting into Canada. I'm sure there's at least one fantastic Canadian actor in this show. So, all right. Um, We're out of our depth at this point for sure. I think we've made that very evident. So let's, let's move on. Uh, We talked about, um, you know, most of the, most of the important roles, I think in these first few episodes, Um, Chief Hine, he was fantastic. Brasso, he's fantastic. Um, all of these actors are really great. So, but, um, yeah, we've, we've spent a good chunk of the episode talking about the characters and the actors who play them, which I think is what we should do with a show like this. Um, are there any other major topics you want to talk about before we wrap up here from the first three episodes? Um, God, I haven't even looked at, um, cause I did write down notes after I was done, um, with the show. Yeah. So there's, um, okay. <laughs> oh God. Wow, I wrote down a bunch of notes and they're all stupid. Um, so first, <laughs> first one. You should have gotten um, a British person to write down your notes. <laughs> to, well, I'll just get a British person to deliver it and it will work out. Um, okay. But uh, no, there's uh, the part where um, Cassian is walking in the rain in his slicker. Um, With the drums? The, With the, the drums? Yeah, and uh, total, uh, again, huge video game fan, Tony Gilroy, uh, once again, um, indulging um, himself in a in a very, uh, you know, the biggest filmmaker, showrunner, gamer since John Carpenter. Uh, he is indulging himself again because that scene was so reminiscent of the opening to Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, so Wait, John Carpenter directed this episode? Is that what you said? No, I just he's just a he's a known uh video game fan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he he loves Sonic. Sonic is what got I him know, into video I games. Know. And that's I like know, my yes. favorite story ever. <laughs> and, and he was like, I don't really want to make movies anymore. I just wanna make music and play video games and smoke weed. And uh he rules living his, living his best life. Um yeah, uh, I think the so I I made the mistake. I told you and Kevin about this. I made the mistake of like looking at um, Metacritic user reviews um, mm. and to see like what the you know what just what people were saying because um, it just I I think it is a show that's like interesting to like gauge reactions from um, people on. And Metacritic is not the best place, but um, I also didn't really want to like just go. I mean, like you can you can talk to your friends, and then like beyond that, it's like where else are you finding the like these opinions? Um, 
but I, re- I read reviews and then like proper critic reviews and then like the user reviews and something I kept well like and then there's like some just like terrible reviews from like the usual um rabble um that you know those people um but there's also like something i kept seeing in negative reviews was people saying that the show was slow Mm. and i guess in terms of action sure like there's not like a ton of like like shootouts and like space battles and stuff like compared to star wars but honestly i i found the pace of the show to like be like breathless at times and it's not like action it's trying to keep up with the characters like characters a lot of times are talking fast they are um again just doing a lot of storytelling with their expressions and like you're like moving from you have to like learn a lot of characters really quickly and like you're trying to figure out their motivations but like also no one in this show is like being honest with everyone so you have to like read between the lines on just about everything um and i honestly found it like kind of hard to keep up with at times um until like i you know kind of settled in um by by like the third episode was where i was like okay i kind of i kind of know the score um to a degree at this point and there's still like and then there's still like lots of swerves and um stuff happening there but yeah i don't really buy that um complaint about like just a general statement that this show is slow because i don't think it is unless you're talking solely about action i think um i think this is this is what i was saying before though i think this is where the structure and choices of the first episode are going to be a little bit of a liability for the show because i don't think it's slow in episodes two and three and I do agree that in episode one, there were moments where my head was spinning a little bit trying to like make sense of everything that was happening or what they were talking about. But that being said, it's just like, I mean, I have to go back and watch it again. I've watched it twice, but I feel like the structure after that opening sequence is just like Cassian goes and talks to this person. Then he goes and talks to that person. Then he goes and talks to this other person, you know, and there's some flashbacks in there too. But I felt a noticeable change in, I don't know if the pacing is the right way to put it, but. I felt a noticeable change in the feeling of the show in the second and third episodes from the first one. And so I think the first one gives the impression of a very slow burn. And then after that, I don't, I don't really feel that way so much in the second and third episodes, but I think the first one kind of does. And so that doesn't necessarily make it more accurate that, that it, Oh, the show's slow, but I do kind of understand how people are getting that impression. Cause I, I watched it give that impression to three other people sitting around me the night we watched the, the show for the first time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah. but it sucks because I don't think it's true after the first episode. I mean, I don't even, I think like the opening scene is like slow in that it's like deliberately paced to create tension. Um, but I think from there, like, I feel like the, the tension is like immediately heightened because, you know, 
this dude is responsible for two de- deaths and then like every interaction you're just you have to like read carefully as you're you're watching and like yeah like plot wise he is just like going around and talking to people um like in an rpg or something but like but there's so much like weight to those conversations i i feel like and you're trying yeah, to but like, if you- figure out if if this is a person that can be trusted or like how much how revealing should he be um kind of stuff where i felt like that was immediately like really intense and like hard to keep track of in a way yeah i'm with you but i'm just also like i feel like if i put myself in the shoes of like audiences who don't care as much or just people who have less of a taste for like character driven storytelling you know i i can definitely see where people are coming from with the first one you know i think the first scene is the scene that's tense and then after that Yes, you you know he's in danger, but it, I don't know that the scenes are. I don't know that the the way the story is being told makes you feel a lot of that danger, unless, like, if you're someone who's paying close attention, I think it does. But like, it's not like anybody's ever about to come around the corner and he's about to get caught or something. You know, it's just like, okay, you know, like, oh god, this guy killed some people, and like, there's a bulletin out for his arrest, but once you get into the second and third episodes, there are things actually happening that make you feel tense. Like he's going to get caught, you know, but like, for instance, in this, it's probably the second episode where Tim rats him out. Right. Like, you know, that that's a possibility in the first episode, but like, you're not it. Like things actually start, like the ball starts moving in terms of like things happening. I feel like in the second and third episode where it's really not in the first one. So, um, you know, I just, I, I definitely see how, especially if you're not like, if you're a little bit on like, I don't know, am I, am I into this or am I not? I think the, it's a little bit of, I can see where it's, it's more of a struggle for people in the first episode. And that bums me out. Cause I know after that, I think a lot of those people that they may lose in the first episode would be more likely to be into it after that, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, I think the episodes get better, um, but I don't think they, like, change the, you know, I I don't think the show undergoes, like, a significant change um, in in quality or anything. But I think, like, the... Maybe the, the story does get better um because oh. you're more is revealed and there there's more layers to it like the tapestry is unfolding yeah it's not an issue of quality for me in fact i i don't i wouldn't even say it gets better even though i mean i do like the second and third episodes more i guess but like i don't even think it's it gets better in fact i would almost go as far as to say that the episode the first episode being a little slow is evidence of the quality of the show because they are willing to kind of like mm. you know not just rush past all that stuff. And, and, and it, to me, it's, it's, it's proof of how character driven it is. You know, um, we will spend 30 minutes with Cassian as he, (laughs) as he, you know, sets this stuff up and like talks to these other, you know, important people in his life and stuff. We will spend that time. I'm glad. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think Mm -hmm. it's proof of how good the show is. 
I just also think it's a little bit of an obstacle to Philistines, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, kind of. No, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yep. It's definitely not everyone's uh, preferred style of storytelling. Um, yeah. But again, it kind of is mine. Um, you know, it's, I think it's, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think we need to go anymore, um, no. deeper into that. Um, but I think the other thing, there's two more things on my, on my notes to mention. Um, okay. one is the music, um, yep. just excellent music, um, across the board. Um, some stuff is just kind of just background music, um, at times, um, where, and then there's like other parts where there, um, when Bix is like running an errand and there's like this like cool electronic music, um, which like, yeah, we have, we have electronic music in star Wars now. That's pretty cool. Um, adds to the, um, kind of the, the cyberpunk vibes, um, in, in some ways. Um, and then there is, just some ridiculous percussion throughout um just like some of the some wild drums happening um yeah. and uh yeah it's uh very very good stuff i'm uh i downloaded like the the music sampler with like the themes like there were like three tracks put up on apple music um which um i actually haven't listened to yet but um i i am looking forward to getting like the full soundtrack and uh giving giving that a run through yeah uh last thing on my list is the word shit (laughs) um because that someone says shit Mm -hmm. in star wars Mm -hmm. i i believe that's that's the first time it probably is. Yeah, it probably is. How do you feel about it? I don't I don't hate it. It's not something that like I was ever like man, I I really hope the next Star Wars movie has like tons of Sith <laughs> and someone says the word shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's what I really want. Um right, right. out of it like um but uh no i think in the in the context of the moment i think it was the only word that would have worked i think um oh you I don't think, think that, poodoo would have had the same effect i i was gonna say i think because I, I i was thinking about this i was like oh should they have used a um you know an in-universe term instead yeah. like a, an in-universe cuss here right, um right. which is um, I, I've talked about it on the on the show, which this is a good time to bring this up. Um, my favorite television show of all time is the reboot of Battlestar Galactica from the early two thousands. Um, mm. It's just the most immersed I've ever been in to a television show. I can like like um, my wife was rewatching it um a few years ago and like i was like oh i'm not i'm not going to sit down for a rewatch anytime i would like walk in the room i would end up like sitting down through like the rest of the episode just because it just pulls me in so much but in that show 
they they use um frack like it's their like in in universe term for the f bomb so that they could like say it on tv and stuff and um like it it happens a ton and like it's fine it works um star wars you know kind of has um some of those uh i guess like cognates um in in their um in universe language but i think again because of this show being what it is and how it is like the i think shit was the appropriate term there i think that's just the way to uh to go with that and uh you know now shit is part of star wars um yeah, see, I don't, I'm indifferent towards its use. I think, like, I didn't even notice it in the moment. And I think it's just because it is, like, it just felt, you know, natural in that in that moment. So, I didn't even think about it. Um, I guess the only thing that I, my, my thing would be, like, okay, like, let's not, like, we don't have to be all, like, canon about it. Okay, like, maybe it's, like, in that show, when he, when, when that character said the word shit, that, that made sense. Like, I actually... I know you're kind I think you're kind of kidding, but like, I actually don't need it to be like, Oh, now it's part of the vernacular of star Wars. Like I can point to the proof, you know, it was in that one episode of that show. So now like, now we should have, um, you know, uh, Chewbacca say that in a future star Wars show, because like, it's now it's like, we know that they know the word we know they can say it. So like, you know, to me, it's like, no, that that's lame. Like, I don't, I don't need there to be an official vocabulary of star Wars. And once somebody says a word and one thing, like now we can use it whenever. And maybe we should, because it's like, it's like, you know, it's a fact now or whatever. It's like, I think like, let's look at it as art and say that in this show, the writer and the actor delivered that line and it made sense for the show. And um, it doesn't have to be like a, a piece of trivia or lore or something that can now be part of the playbook just because of that, you know? So like not like the way Han Solo canonized hell, um, the existence of the the underworld in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, no, it's ex- which, it's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. And yeah. because until like people on the internet started being like, "Did you know that the word hell is used x amount of times in Star Wars?" I never even thought about it. You know, I never thought about it. So um, I think like the litmus test should be like, does the line work in the moment? Does it feel Mm -hmm. when he's like, I'll see you in hell. It's like, well, first off, it doesn't sound like that. He delivered it way better. But um, when he says that I was just like, got chills. And I was like, yes, like, yes, that moment was awesome. Like if he had said, I'll see you in, you know, whatever the star Wars, I'll see you in Mustafar. I'll see you in the, in the volcanic lava rivers (laughs) of Mustafar. Like, no, no, that would suck. But it also doesn't mean I want everybody saying hell all the time, you know, just for. Mm-hmm. And it, it, hell is used on multiple times, I think. But who cares? You know, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Um, I, so. I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, I, ca- I care like slightly. Um, well, it's interesting and- to talk about what I'm saying is like, I don't I don't. I don't care like on an emotional level, you know, like like I'm mad or happy about it. I'm just like, yeah, if it worked, cool. If it didn't, then don't do it. You know, yeah. I think there's a I think there's a a South Park episode where they celebrate um, being able to say shit on Comedy Central and like they make mm. it a, a whole thing. Um, also, uh, 
there was a, a long running joke that uh, Chucky e. T, Chuck Taylor, um, had always wanted to um, say shit on TBS um, and never, never got it. Got That's it. weird because they say words all the time on TBS that I think are way worse than that, you know? And uh, th- there's a, the B word in wrestling. I, I actually roll my eyes almost every single time. I can't Ooh. stand it. But like in wrestling, in both AEW and WWE, like yeah. it's always like this like mic drop moment. Like, did you, <gasps> he finished that promo by saying the B word at the other person. And I'm just like, yeah. God, it's such cheap. Like it's such a, like a, yeah boring like to me that one Um, but the crowd is always like the crowd is always like oh my god they went there they went there i'm like they go there like three times a month like they sometimes multiple times in the same show it's not like i don't know i don't care all right we're running long though so let me just say my i got one more thing that i want to talk about which is just and i already brought it up but just the last 10 or 15 minutes of this show is so incredible to me um the way that both the present day story and the flashback come together, uh, the way that the music builds in that moment. I was like, it's not even like that complicated of a thing, but I was, my mind was exploding watching the final moments of the show where we're seeing young Cassian take his first journey into space. Meanwhile, you know, older Cassian is like leaving with Luthen and cutting back and between and forth between those things seamlessly was brilliant. Um, and also the show is about these people, right? It's about these characters and that show or that episode wraps up with that whole kind of final sequence, but we get like long lingering shots on the faces of the people in this show. We get one on, uh, Cyril. Is that his name? Cyril, Cyril Karn, uh, the bad, the main bad guy, you know, the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The Primor, uh, devotee uh we get one with him we get one with marva we get one with bix we get one with brasso you know um who very much plays the ben affleck very much plays the ben affleck uh goodwill hunting role you know you get that shot where like ben affleck's like oh yeah matt damon he took off man i always said i'd be happy one day if he didn't show up to work and this is that Mm -hmm. day he didn't show up like you got that Mm -hmm. scene that matt damon scene or a ben affleck scene um and uh yeah, I'm probably forgetting a character or two, but they they give you those shots of those of those characters. Um, and then it all builds towards that really brilliant um, sequence with Cassian both in his youth and present day leaving on a journey, right? And I was like, this is so well done, so thoughtful, so well executed. It's uh, incredible. So yeah, I'm so excited for the next couple of ep- well, for the rest of the show, but I'm really excited to see like what this next episode brings because I feel like we got 3 episodes of one flavor of this show of of of, of Andor, you know. Um and I'm really excited to spend more time with all of these characters who I'm growing to love, but I'm also like thrilled that we're going to get Mon Mothma and we're going to be, you know, kind of going into the larger uh, Star Wars galaxy or universe with with uh, future episodes and see how that all kind of ties together um, with the show. So yeah, I can't wait. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Until we come back next week with an episode about the fourth episode of Andor, uh, you can find all the things we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Um, if you want to reach out to the show and tell us what you think about Andor or um, you know remind us of stuff that we forgot to touch on, that would be great. And you can email the show, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com or message the show at Blockade Run uh, on Twitter and follow us on Twitter. And Ryan, you're on Twitter at? 
by Malay, B-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y. All right. So thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. We are all the republic. <laughs>